Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive-through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at bullrunfestivaloflights.com. That's bullrunfestivaloflights.com. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's be the man who comes in the name of the Lord. Preach, Bishop. Harvest will hear and will obey. We'll rise to our feet and receive the man of God, Bishop Asen Phillips, as he comes. He ain't new to it. He's true to it. He's an OG. Praise the Lord tonight. God, such a joy and a blessing to be here. And this is my beloved son, Kevin, that I am so well pleased in. Thank God for what God has done with his life and how he has poured in to the lives of others. Holy, righteous, and merciful Father, create and preserve of this our universe. We approach your throne with thanksgiving in our heart joy and celebration in our souls, knowing that you are good God, and Lord, you're good all the time. You're good when you're giving, you're better when you're taking. You know how to give joy, celebration, and love. You know how to take heartache, misery, and pain. And for that, we praise your name. We ask now, Heavenly Father, that you forgive us of our sins. Forgive me of my sin. Hide me now behind the cross. Dip me beneath your blood. Lift me up, Heavenly Father, and speak first clearly to me. Then, Lord, speak through me. Allow your word to go out from me. Let your word go out anointed. And for Christ's sake, let not your word return unto thyself void. For we claim and bind a victory right now for the word of God in the name of Jesus. And Heavenly Father, we carefully, carefully, carefully give your name, your name, your name, all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. We thank God tonight for this precious privilege to be here to share with harvest. And it is harvest time. 
it's harvest time. Fields are white and they're ready to be harvested. I'm blessed to have my lovely wife with me tonight. <laughs> Dr. E. Aquila and I celebrated our 61st anniversary. <laughs> God, God favored me. He didn't have but one quill, and he gave her to me. So I know I'm special with God. I've been claimed that I, I'm henpecked because I love her so much. And, and I confess I am henpecked. But I love the hen that does the pecking because she knows how to peck, when to peck, and where to peck. I'm so grateful to God. I also celebrated on May 10th my 84th birthday. So, so God, God has been good to me. And I'm thankful today that I can see what God is doing with the next generation. You're blessed beyond measure. Your pastor is not an ordinary man. He is a particular design from God. He was able to bless us this past Tuesday in the Ministerial Alliance where all the elders sit together. And I watched him and buttons was popping off my chest as he just literally opened the word up and, and blessed us beyond measure. I thank God for him and for this ministry that he's doing. I want to just say this to you before I get into the heart of the message. Uh, many times a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Harvest make harvest different. Honor your pastor. Bless him. Don't sit around waiting for once a year for an anniversary to bless him. Amen. When God blesses you, you bless him. Always learn to be a funnel and never a reservoir. The joy of being a funnel, whatever is coming through you, blesses you before it blesses anybody else. And if God can get it through you, he'll always get it to you. Some of us get something and hold so tight on it, and then some crazy fella comes in from out of town that you just met, don't know nothing about, and he starts preaching and proclaiming and calling stuff, and folk will open up their pocketbook and pour everything out, and he collects all of that and leaves town and leaves you with all your burdens and all your misery, and your pastor still has to come back and do all the mending for the stuff that he messed up. Charity ought to start at home and then spread abroad. Bless him mightily, amen? amen? And I declare if you bless him, God will bless you. Amen. I want to share with you tonight a combination of scriptures and with one theme. I want to talk about the shepherd's crook. The shepherd's crook. And 
basic scripture is in John chapter 21. And then I need to pick up a bit of three passages of scripture. One, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, and then Romans 12, 1 through 3, and then Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Basically, when you talk about a crook, it's a combination of a rod and a hook. The shepherd's crook was designed to make sure that the shepherd knew how to chastise and at the same time how to redeem. Many preachers can bless your heart out with chastisement, but they don't have the tenderness to redeem. You bless with a man of God who knows how to chastise, but to put love in every bit of the chastisement. I watched him even tonight. He knows how to tease with you a little bit and chastise you with the teasing and then come back and love you with the repair work. Amen. The aim of the man of God is different from a preacher. In the concept of what we call the fivefold ministry gift, we have the apostles and a whole lot of folk are just rasping to become an apostle. And, and some of them think that's the height of what you ought to be doing. And they don't understand that it's the beginning work of the ministry. Jesus had the apostles before he got around to pastors and bishops. Apostles start off with this text that says, many are called to be apostolic, to go out and to make disciples. Then it comes back and said, there is the role of the prophet. Few are chosen. And those who are chosen are chosen out of those who are called. So you have to get the prophet out of the basket of the apostles. Then it says, the evangelists, they are sent. And, and they come after you have been called and after you have understood that you have been given a word of vision. You can't evangelize if you don't know where you're going. One of the problems with the church, many times you don't understand, evangelist has to understand the concept that you got to cast the vision. Once you cast it, you got to make it plain. But it ain't worth a dime if it's just cast and made plain. You got to make the vision that you cast after you make it plain, you got to make it portable. That means you got to have somebody to carry the vision. And one of the reasons many times churches are empty, not that they don't have a vision, not that the vision is not plain, but they don't have no arms and legs to make it portable. The name of your church is the name of portability. You call the church harvest. Well, now, harvest means that you're going to go bring some stuff in. You can't come up in here and just dance and shout and enjoy yourself and don't never bring nothing in. Sometimes we get so busy complimenting ourselves and bragging on our gifts and we forget the mandate of God is that you would win the world for Christ. There are only three basic things that the church is doing. Reconciliation, renewal, and restoration. 
I'm going to just leave a couple of little ta-ta Greek words with you that you can play with and kind of help you to understand what it means when it says reconciliation. The Greek word for reconciliation is the word katalasso. And katalasso means you go into the dark and bring out that which is already prepared for harvest and you bring it back to God. God said, go into the enemy's camp and take back what the enemy has stolen. Now, you can't get mad at the devil for stealing the stuff. He is ordained to steal stuff. He got a license to steal. He got another license to kill. He got a third license to destroy. The first thing he steals, he steals your joy. And he steals your joy because the joy of the Lord is the source of my strength. And the devil is a coward. He don't want to fight you when you got full strength. So he takes your strength first, calls you to be weak. And once you're weak, he comes right back after he stole your joy. And he kills your influence. Now, have you noticed that if you stop shouting, Stop giving God praise. You're going to be weak as water. Some folk don't even understand the distinctive difference between praying and praise. And some of us don't even know what prayer is all about. Some of us get on our knees and we get to telling God what God ought to do. You know, every now and then, Lord ought to just slap you and wake you up. Say, say, get up out here. Stop giving me the same order that I gave you. Lord, go visit Mother Jane and stop by Brother Steve's and then bless so-and-so and feed so-and-so. God said, but that's what I told you to do. Why are you telling God to do what God told you to do? The greatest concept of prayer is not for you to try to tell God anything. God already knows everything. If you know his number and you call him up and he answers the phone, Take your time and say, Lord, speak to me. Prayer is designed for you to get in touch with God, listen to God, then get up off your knees and do what God told you to do. Now, the reason he have preachers is because we're not going to obey him. So the preacher's job is to remind you what you're supposed to be doing. And Everybody is not a pastor. Some are just called, some are given, sent, brother. But then the last group called the preacher teacher. And I watched Bishop Kevin Foreman preach and teach at the same time. If you ain't got no teaching, you'll preach. You don't need no preaching, you'll teach. You've got to make sure people hear you and understand. What grows a church is not preaching. It's teaching. The Great Commission is not about preaching. I know we said, but it's incorrect. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach to God. That's not what the Bible says. It says go ye therefore and teach. Teach, teach, teach all men. Teach them to remember what I told you. Teaching causes you to know and knowledge is power.
I could sing and play and all that stuff if I knew how. The reason I don't sing is not because I don't want to sing. Not because I don't enjoy singing. I just don't know how to sing. But if I could sing, I would sing. But I wouldn't just sing because I could sing. I'd sing because I'm happy. I I'd sing because I'm free. I I'd sing because I know God's eye is on the sparrow. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know he watches over me. So I struggle to know what I know and to do what I know. Once you understand that the man of God that's called a pastor is different from any other of the five-fold ministry gifts. The pastor has to be the given of God. That means God has to give him away. You can't give anything away that you don't own. So a whole lot of preachers will never pastor. They might have some congregations and people gathering, but they won't pastor. Because they're not willing to give themselves to God. The whole concept about becoming a disciple is that you move from just being a Christian to become disciplined by the word of God. And the word disciple means I plan to obey. Obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And what God calls you into is an act of obedience. Sin is simple. We try to make it complicated. Oh, you're sinning, you're lying, you're backbiting, you're committing adultery, you don't. That, that, that's not sin. That's what you do after you sin. C can you hear me? S sin is the decision to disobey. The moment you decide to disobey, you're guilty of sin. Now, I, I didn't say this. Jesus did. He said, if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you're already guilty of adultery. But Lord, I didn't touch her. We, we got a problem all over this nation and got a real problem right here in Denver. We got a mayor getting ready to he is being challenged because of something he said. Didn't touch the lady, just complimented the lady. And it's strange because different communities different think differently. I was with a group of older black female preachers. And one of them said to me, she said, Bishop, said, I wish somebody would tell me they thought I could dance on a pole. Said, I have a hard time with author and writers. <laughs> Just time to get around. He said, unlike some communes, said, black women love to be whistled complimented, and hear nice things said about him. Said, we get dressed up on purpose and walk the way we walk by design. And said, we mad at you black men when you act like you don't see me walking like I'm walking. <laughs> well, there's a difference between abuse and presentation. In the church, we're told to hug folk and give them a holy kiss. And I'm one preacher that would be in all kind of trouble. I've been hugging folk 
all of my ministry. I mean, you come to our church, we just start off hugging you, you know. And some folk haven't had a hug all week. And I go to church and bump into folk on purpose, hoping to get a hug. I don't know what to do with you when you reach out to shake my hand. I mean, I shake hands with strangers, folk I don't even know. But when I'm up in God's house, I want to be greeted with a holy kiss. I want somebody to touch me. The concept of touch is the way you transmit love. Some children are all jacked up and messed up because nobody ever took the time to touch them. We spend a lot of money buying them gifts, but we won't touch them. I've known Michael Hancock since he was a baby. And the little boy come through all kind of hardships and pains and tragedies. Yeah, he done made some mistakes. You don't know anybody who hadn't made any mistakes. If you find one, show them to me. And I don't want to have much to do with anybody who ain't never done nothing wrong. Ain't never made no mistake. It means you've never done anything. God wants us to learn how to love one another as we are. That, that's why the preacher has a crook. A crook is a combination of a staff and a rod. A rod is a rod of correction. You got to take the rod of correction and chastise your child. You spare the rod, you're going to spoil your child. There's a difference between chastisement and abuse. But right now, watch what we're doing. Parents won't chastise the children. The teachers can't chastise the child. But when the child run into the police, they beat them half to death. And it's legal. They don't even get fired for beating you to death. But they'll put the parent in jail for chastising a child. Something wrong with our thinking. That's why you need a pastor. And a pastor has to be bold enough to walk up to the state house, tell the politician what he ought to do, go down to the bank and tell the bank how you ought to change your loan process, go to the schoolhouse and make sure they teach you correctly. The pastor has to be the pastor inside the walls and outside the walls. He has to care for his folk from Sunday to the next Sunday. You can't just come preach to folk on Sunday and don't care how they hurt on Monday. I'm, I'm looking at all this. Can you see all this stuff? I wish every church was doing what Harvest is doing. But Harvest is doing what Harvest is doing because Harvest has a man of God that knows how to cast the vision, make it plain, and he's designing you to make it portable. Now, once you understand reconciliation, reconciliation is a beautiful word. It says, he who lives in the light must take his light into the darkness. If somebody hurt you, you can't be waiting around for them to apologize. That's backwards. That's not what the scripture teaches. It says somebody offends you, hurts you, you are obligated to go to the one who hurt you and reconcile yourself with them. The one who did the hurt and can't reconcile. It's the one who got hurt who has to do the reconciling. God did not hurt Adam. Adam disobeyed God. And Adam's biggest mistake was not his act of disobedience. 
The worst thing Adam did was not sin, but to walk out of the garden. I knew you heard somebody say God put him out, but that's a lie. God did not put Adam out of the garden. Adam left on his own. When Adam left, God simply closed the door and didn't let him back in. But he never did put him out. You got to be clear, God doesn't put you out. But he gives you free will. And if you want to, you can walk out. Some of y'all get mad every now and then with the pastor. And say, he put me out. He ain't put you out. You walked out. Now, if you walk out and he shuts the door, then, then you mad. Well, he got to shut the door. Two reasons he got. He don't want anything else to walk out. But the main thing, he don't want stuff to walk in. God closed the door to keep the enemy from walking in. But watch God's love. Adam did not go looking for God. But the Bible says God came looking for Adam. After he done walked out on God, walked out of photogenic light into scotinic utter darkness. And here comes God down to the place where they'd agreed to meet and said, Adam, 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 where art thou? Now, God is all-knowing, so you know he knew where he was physically. He knew where he was psychologically. But he wanted to know where was he by choice. Do you, you chose to walk out? Do you choose to stay out there where you walked? Do you want to come back in? The real question God is saying, Adam, do you want to come back in? And watch Adam's response. He said, Lord, I, I've been trying to get back into light. But this darkness has me bound. You've been singing it every night. Satan's got me bound. No, darkness got you bound. Your choice has you bound. Some stuff we give the devil credit for, he doesn't have the authority to do. The Bible says he has absolutely no power, but he is the prince of the power of the air, which means he can make suggestions to your mind, create a concept inside of your thought pattern, and cause you to hurt yourself. You see anybody slapping themselves on the face? You know they're crazy. If they slap somebody else, you might say they're angry, they're mad. But you see somebody slapping themselves? Most of the damage that's done to us is not what somebody else does to us. It's what we do to ourselves. You've got to get your own thinking right. Stop getting angry about what somebody else called you, what somebody else said about you. What folks say and think about you, that's your reputation. Don't, don't worry too much about your reputation. Worry about your character. Your character is who you really are. Your character is who you think about yourself. The Israelites did not make it in the promised land, not, not because of the giants, not because God didn't order it. They made the mistake and decided by choice, we're going to vote. Dangerous to vote up in God's house. Talking about the majority rules. 
99 and 9 tenths time, the majority is always wrong. Ten fellows went in and came back and said, there are giants in the land. And we look like grasshoppers. Did you notice that the giants didn't call them grasshoppers? The giants were afraid of them based on their reputation. The giants was reading their resume. All the people that God had destroyed in their presence. But they decided, 10 of them said, we look like grasshoppers. And some of us, because of the pigmentation of our color presentation, have decided we look like grasshoppers. Some black folk are upset with black folk. Said, said I, I got a problem. The man got me down. That's a lie. Man can't hold you down. The same mind God gave anybody else, he made it available to you. I don't care what color you are, black, white, red, pink, polka dot, pinstripe. The only reason you don't have anything because you don't ask for anything. You have not because you ask not. You, you got to trust in God. You got to believe God. God does not need to take something from somebody else to bless you. Do you know God's got enough stuff to go around? The biggest problem God has is with us. We don't want to share nothing. And can I help you? If you don't share with the man of God, you ain't going to share with the people of God. Ain't no way in the world anybody in harvest ought to ever be hungry while somebody else got some bread. I grew up in the streets. And in the streets, they, they, they don't let you starve. Even, they won't even let you not get drunk. They had an old song, when I, you got a nickel, I got a dime, let's get together and buy some wine. They knew how to organize and to collaborate. Sometimes we don't know how to put our stuff together. There's so much power in this room right now. But if the power is not engaged, the power is not impactful. Somebody said that we need to pull down our own. Divide and conquer. That, that's crazy. Why would you want to take down a young preacher like a Bishop Foreman? I don't care how many mistakes he made. Can I ask you a question? How many times has he forgiven you for the mistakes you've made? How many times has he prayed for you because you stumbled and fell. Well, what should be the role of the church if the preacher does make a mistake? You, you ought to get around him and pray for him. Somebody asked me the question, how did you pastor one church 40 years? I said, it was simple. You never made a mistake? I said, I made them every day. Twice on Sunday, four times on Monday. All day in my sleep I made mistakes. But one thing I never did. I never let anybody tell off on me. When I messed up, I confessed up. I'd come to my church and tell the whole church everything I did. And somebody said, you crazy, they're going to put you. I said, no. Every time you confess, those who are saints are duty-bound to forgive you. If somebody won't forgive you after you confess, they're not in the kingdom. Every time I confess, I had two deacons. They were twins. Both of them could sing, Charles and Clayton Mess. When I got through confessing, 
Claiborne said, I move, we forgive Pastor Charles. I second the motion. The whole church went up in fire. I take in 10 or 12 new members that day. Folk would come from everywhere. I want to join that church that forgives folk. I know they forgive the people because they forgive the preacher. If you know how to show love for your preacher, and everybody going to talk about him, that, but don't worry about it. Let folk talk about it. That makes you famous. Nobody would know Jesus was the son of God if he counted on his friends. It's the enemies of Jesus that made him famous. His friends were halfway cowards. Even at the cross, they ran and hid. But you got to watch God. God will make your enemies testify on your behalf. They, they sent some enemies to the church one day to arrest Jesus. They made a mistake and sat down in the back row. And Jesus just acknowledged them and kept right on preaching. But at the end of the message, they got up and went back to the authorities. And the authorities said, where is the man we sent you to get? Said, we, we, we wanted to bring him. But said, you ought to have been there. Said, said, you really ought to have been there. Said, never, ne never, ne never a man spake like that man. That's what I thought a moment ago when I saw Bishop Kevin presiding up here. I said, oh, my God, ne ne never a man spoke like that young man with the power of his anointing. And then he had the nerve to say he going to preach on Sunday. He preached tonight. Amen. I'm so glad he preached because it helps me out. I don't have to do as much work. But your enemies, let them alone. He, he was working with us a little bit at the, at the lines the other day because we got some preachers who always complain and the folk talking about me. They're hanging in my name. I went to the meeting one day and the fellow caught me. I said, said Bishop, they talking about you in there. I said, okay. So I went into the meeting. I said, I understand y'all talking about me. Oh, no, no, we, uh, yes, Reverend so-and-so just told me y'all talking about me. I said, can I help you out? I'm giving you permission to talk about me. Just don't talk about each other. Focus on me. Talk, talk about me as much as you please. I'll pray for you down on my knees. But if you don't talk about me, nobody will know I'm in town. E everywhere I go, somebody knows me. They know me because I got in trouble. So, so that, that, that's that preacher that was in this, and he was in that, and he did this, and he did that. And one reporter asked me one day, he said, Preacher, look like you're in so much trouble today. I don't think you're going to make it. Will you stand on tomorrow? I said, take a look at me right now. I'm standing in my tomorrow. Do you know that God will get you out of anything he gets you into? And your pastor said this. I'm just borrowing it from him. He said, God puts you in stuff on purpose just so we can get you out. How are you going to get to know him if you don't know him in the fellowship of his suffering? But before you rush off into the fellowship of his suffering, make sure you know him in the power of his resurrection. Let me rush on to a close now. Reconciliation means those of us who live in the light have a responsibility to take our light into the darkness and let our light shine. How's the world going to get saved? Do you hang around all the goody good gun folks? If you don't go where sinners are, how will sinners know? 
I make a habit every now and then. I go in and out of the bars. Don't you try that because you don't know how to drink. You'll end up getting drunk. I see folk trying to hide that liquor. One fellow about to pour out his beer. I said, man, don't pour that beer out. You paid for that. The bartenders, most of them in town, already said, preach in the house. And the question said, Rev, how long are you going to stay? I said, just as soon as I get you straight, then I'll be ready to go. One day I went into the bar, and, and this German Jew came up crying to me. He said, Preacher, my sister's dying with cancer. You're the only preacher I know. Because I don't go to the synagogues and I don't go to church, but thank God you come in here every now and then. And, and would you pray for my sister? Well, we, I was just getting in the place. We were in the hallway. I stopped and prayed for him there. Three days later, he came to the church. He said, Pastor, I just want to bring this gift to the church. I want you to know my sister is healed and whole and out of the hospital. Never, never could have laid hands on if I had not been there. When will you take your light into the darkness? All you got to do is do what Jesus did. I got to cut some corners now and go on and close because, you see, reconciliation is one thing, but after you get reconciled, you need to get renewed. Romans 12, 1 through 3 says, Behold, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, plural, body of your mind, body of your emotion, and body of your will, all three of your bodies, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. Now, you can't praise God clapping your hands. I don't care how hard you clap them. You can't praise God just shouting. You got to take your body, your mind, and your soul. It takes all three of your bodies coming together in agreement to give God praise. Praise requires total surrender unto God. Praise is different from prayer. When you pray, God just sends an angel. You got to watch it because sometimes angels get stuck. Angel got stuck one day, 21 days before we got there with the message. So every now and then when you pray and look like prayer is not working, stop praying and start praising God. Praise has a different connotation. When you praise God, he doesn't send Gabriel or Michael. When you praise him, he comes himself. The Bible says God occupies the praises of his people. He doesn't just come for a minute. He comes and tabernacles inside of you. Every now and then when you want something you want it in a hurry, just start giving God some praise. And don't wait, don't wait, don't wait until the manifestation come. Pray. And praise God on the announcement, on the revelation, not on the presentation. The minute you start praising him, God stops everything in glory and rushes to your side. Oh, Reverend, how you know that? You know stuff by experience. I laid in a hospital in a coma nine days in Kansas City. And I didn't believe in healing then. I had been preaching about 10 years. And I said healing was in the old days, in the early church. But in that coma, be careful how you talk about folk in a coma. They hear everything you say. And they can remember what you're talking about. 
everybody was praying over me, and a couple of fellas said, he ain't going to make it. I was in Kansas City, and Providence Hobby sent a word back to them, and the preacher died, said, uh, all the stuff he's working on, shut it down, said, he ain't coming back. And I looked up, it was a Catholic hospital, and sometimes we get all messed up because of symbols. Cross had a man hanging on the cross, and us apostolic folk don't believe Jesus is on the cross. But if he's sick enough, it don't matter. I looked at the cross, I said, Lord, I'm not sure you heal, but just in case you do, would you give me a little sign that you, you know, I heard him talking about signs. I said, light up the cross, and then I want to ask you to heal my body. I dare you to challenge God on anything. He says this about tithing. I know y'all don't want to hear this, but it's on that tithing. He said, try me, prove me now. He will say, the Lord of hosts said, why will I not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing? One blessing coming out every window. Blessing got a name on it called Jesus. I don't care what you ask for, it comes with a package named Jesus. He lit up that cross, lit up that room, lit up my body. I sat straight up out of the coma and unhooked all the tabernacle things on my body. Nurse came in and she said, Mr. Phillips, you can't do that. You're too sick. Get back in. Let me hook you back up. I said, I was sick. But now I'm well. God has touched my body. And from that day on, I began to lay hands on folk. And the Lord said, just in case you don't have no oil, don't worry about it. I will call oil to come up out of your hands. And wherever you lay them in my name, I will call men, women, boys, and girls to be blessed. What God has done for me, he will do for you. What God does through me, he will do through you. You have to put your trust in God. God wants to renew. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present all of your bodies holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of the anachronisms of your mind that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God will renew you, but he can't renew you unless you've first been reconciled. Once you get reconciled, then make sure you get yourself renewed. Old folks said be saved and then get sanctified. Don't be trying to get sanctified before you get saved. Amen. And closing, it says, after you've been reconciled and renewed, you need to be restored. And the real thing we're pressing for is restoration. I want to get back to where I have that relationship Adam had when God first created him. When God first made Adam, he made him a quickening spirit, a living soul. And when Adam walked out, he walked out from God. He's been trying to get back ever since. God sent Jesus to get us back. The word reconciliation closes by saying, Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners are reconciled. God sent Jesus to get Israel. But there was a mystery of the church that's been there since the beginning. Paul wrote it out. He said, God was in the Christ that he sent, doing what Christ was not doing. God was inside of the Jesus, reconciling the whole world unto himself. God didn't come for a handful of folk. He came for the whole world. And he saved you that you may reach out to save the world. Make sure you understand why your name is Harvest. And you're not here just to harvest the folk who look just like you. 
Stop trying to harvest black folk or white folk or yellow folk or brown folk. Get some pink and polka dot folk and some pinstripe folk. Harvest every man. God wants to save the good, the bad, and the ugly. When you read in closing scripture in John chapter 21, you got to read that for yourself. I got to take my seat. Not because I'm out of something to say, but my legs are tired. I am 84 years old. And I don't want to embarrass you by falling down in front of you, so I'm going to set myself down. But in John 21, as it closes, he said, If you love me, preacher, feed my sheep. If you agape thou me, bosco my lambs. Peter said, Lord, I don't know how to agape you. The best I can do is just follow you. I can love you like a natural man. But agape means the justability of love. That whatever a man needs, you adjusted to cover him. It's grace is agape. Grace is adjustable. Did you know that? No matter what you do, God keeps expanding grace. So much so that Paul wrestled with him and said, Lord, get this thorn out of my flesh. He said, no, I put it there. It's not an accident. It's my design. I, I want you to understand that God got a thorn in your side by design. And every now and then he pushes on the thorn to make you act right. Every now and then when you go to pick a rose, you hit a thorn. But it doesn't change the beauty of the rose. Is the rose worth the pricking of the thorn? Is your salvation worth God pricking you every now and then? He said to Paul, take your eyes off the thorn. He said, I got the thorn covered. Put your eyes on the ministry, on the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, the harvest is plentiful. My problem is I don't have no laborers to bring in the harvest. said, Paul, don't worry about the thorn. My grace is sufficient. Agape covers the thorn. And the thorn is not in your spirit. It's just in your flesh. And you don't worship God with your flesh. You worship God in spirit. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in the truth of that spirit. But you've got to worship him through your vessel. Behold, we have this treasure locked up inside of an earthbound vessel, not accidentally, but that the excellency of the glory of God might be more clearly known. God put the treasure inside of the vessel so that you can't worship him in spirit without the spirit coming through the vessel. Oh, my God. God loves you so much so that he blesses your vessel. Because of the treasure that's on the inside. Then he said, can you learn to love one another like I love you all? The reason I can love you as jacked up as you are, because I'm not looking at your vessel. I'm looking at your treasure. Can you take a look at somebody next to you now and tell you, I'm going to love you not because of your vessel. But I know there's a treasure, there's a treasure, there's a treasure, there's a treasure on the inside. I'm going to love you because of what I can see on the inside. God, God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he could look through the darkness of our vessels and see the joy of our treasure. Jesus was the great treasure that surrendered himself to the Father that he might bring us into reconciliation, renewal, and restoration. Live up to your name, Harvest. I'm praying for you. God wants a harvest in this city. God needs a young giant.
to draw folk in this city. This building is too small for y'all. You, 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 you can't stay up in here. You, you got to build a cathedral. You got to make room for souls. God has redeemed souls. And God has charged harvest to go get the soul. Somebody not, not like it, but it doesn't matter. God has ordained Bishop Foreman since he was a little fella to go and do what God has called him to do. He can get it all done if just those who were here tonight will make a commitment to support this ministry. Learn how to talk about your pastor in a positive way. Learn how to lift him up wherever you go. Learn how to tell other men who you have in Bishop Kevin Foreman. The world is looking for somebody who's got a crook, not just a rod, not just a stab, but a crook. Knows how to chastise, but when the little sheep gets stuck in the thickets, he takes the other end of that stick that's a crook. It's got a hook on it, and he reaches it into the thickets. And then he doesn't just reach around to yank the sheep out and harm the sheep. But he has a voice control. Everything is controlled by voice. You don't need no wise to talk to somebody on the telephone. You just need to know the right number. Your voice travels from nation to nation all over this world. And if you could just know how to speak to the sheep, watch what the shepherd does. He doesn't harm the sheep. Once he finds the sheep, he puts the crook into the bushes and says, Sheep, this is your shepherd. My sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. All you got to do is call his name. I don't care what kind of stuff he's in. If you know how to call your sheep's name, he can walk out of death into life. Oh, Bishop, you don't know what you're Yes, I do. Can you remember the story of Lazarus when he died? He had a shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. When the Lord called Lazarus' name, he put his crook inside of death and called the name Lazarus. He had to call his name because everything dead knew Jesus' voice. But when he called Lazarus by name, he said, Lazarus, come, come, come forth. Lazarus said, I'm your sheep and I hear your voice. Lazarus got up, walked out. You can get up right now and walk out of your deafness. You can walk out of your darkness. You can walk out of your trouble. You can walk out of your negativity. If you can hear his voice, he said, if I, if I be lifted up, lift up his voice. Let me in hear you calling his name. I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore. I was sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. And from the waters, with his crook, he lifted me. Now safe, 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 safe. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. 
Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word DECISION to the phone number 59769. And when you do... I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply.